Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Perhaps it's time when I get home and I sit down at 7 o'clock for my first baseball game. This Boston-Baltimore game, got Dylan Bundy and Rick, Rick Porcello. That's my game of the night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to watch the Oriole broadcast, the great Gary Thorne, who cannot be stopped. I got a big night of baseball coming up. Yeah, you're damn right. That's a big one. And later on tonight, Kravitz, if I can make it at 10 o'clock, I got Johnny Cueto against Clayton Kershaw. I don't predict you making it that far, but... I think you're right. Godspeed. Our next guest is a... Uh, Baseball writer from ESPN, ESPN senior baseball writer. You know him pretty well. He is Keith Law, who wrote a book, which is really cool, called Smart Baseball. Let's bring him in. Keith, first of all, young man, welcome back to the show, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Keith, let me just uh, preface this by saying that I'm the biggest baseball nerd there is, and literally I watch games from 7 o'clock at night until I can't sleep anymore. So that's what I do every single night. I'm, a, I'm one of those baseball guys kind of like you. All right, and anyway, Keith, let me just say, I got a, I have a copy of your book here. It's called Smart Baseball with Keith Law. Keith, uh, what prompted you to write this book? Well, it was a question I got from readers uh, over the years looking for a book just like this one, saying, essentially asking, how do I get up to speed on the stuff that they would see me talk about on Twitter and in columns, and, um, or they would hear, hey, my local team just changed GMs. They're going stats-heavy. They're hiring analysts, and I could not find a book written for the lay audience to recommend. There were books that were maybe a little too sophisticated, and there were books that I thought kind of dumbed it down a little too much. And I wanted to kind of hit that spot where I could speak to everybody, 
explain some of these concepts from why the old stats don't work and then talk about some of the newer stats that are public but that do a better job in a way that anybody can understand regardless of your background and if you're a hardcore baseball fan like yourself or just a casual fan who follows the local team, I'm uh, giving this information in a way that everyone can follow along with this current trend that I think uh, really all 30 teams have now adopted. Keith, you should have been born a little bit earlier because if you were and you were alive in the 1960s like I was, the baseball averages came out on Sundays. There was no internet. And it was fantastic. It had home runs, RBIs, batting average, run scored, stuff like that. Those baseball stats are amazing. But I want you to talk about the fact that the RBI, talk about the RBI and why you don't like that RBI stat per se. What RBIs really tell you about a hitter, if he's got a high RBI total, it's telling you that the guys hitting on ahead of him in the lineup were just on base a lot. That's really what determines it more than anything that the individual hitter does. It's not a measure of the hitter's skill. It's not a measure of the hitter's power. We have better numbers for both of those things anyway. So what they end up doing is introducing a lot of noise to the equation. And if you look historically, great big RBI totals tend to happen on good run-scoring teams, again, because – They've got just generally gotten more guys on base ahead of the guys who hit fourth, fifth, sixth in the lineup. And to me, we need to get the noise out of our stats. You want to talk about an individual player's performance? Focus on the things that only he was responsible for. RBIs just include too much other information. Keith, um, analytics and baseball have now gone back for, you know, a, a couple of decades, if, if not longer. Uh, and of all the sports, you know, that we follow, golf, uh, basketball, football, baseball. Baseball lends itself the most to analytics and uh, and really strong stats. Would you agree with that? Yes, 100%. You know, baseball, it's very discreet. Um, you know, other sports, basketball and hockey, are more kind of flow back and forth. And, you know, who's in control is constantly changing. Baseball, we, we know who's one side has the ball, the other side has the bat. It's very clear in each pitch itself is its own event with its own set of information. And so that's how, uh, you know, I talk about StatCast late in the book. That's how we're at this point where Major League Baseball is sending out these huge databases every year covering every single pitch that's thrown in a Major League season. Keith, I want you to explain a stat called war, wins above replacement. When did that stat become such a big thing? And, and talk about what it actually means to a baseball fan, the word war, W-A-R. Yep, so the best thing I can tell you about wins above replacement is that by whatever name you choose to call it, this is how every team is valuing players at this point. They're trying to, for a position player, let's say, add up the value of his bat, the value of his base running, the value of his fielding, his glove and his arm, add up a to-, to a total, compare that to a baseline for that particular position, that player's position on the field, and then that's your total production for him for the whole season measured in, you can do it in runs, you can do it in wins. But this is how teams think of player value. They might have their own calculations, but what they're ultimately coming to is something very much like the war number you'll find on baseball reference or you'll find on fan graph. This player added seven and change wins to his team with his performance over the course of that year. And it's, to me, a great, simple baseline for starting any conversation on a player. If you do start there, I always encourage people, well, then look at what goes into it. Was it his glove? Was it his base running? Was it his batting? You can continue to drill down for more detail, but as a quick and dirty kind of back-to-the-envelope look at a player's total value, I think it's pretty meaningful, and I think it reflects the current way of thinking within the industry. Our special guest today, he wrote the book Smart Baseball, is Keith Law, ESPN senior baseball writer, 
Making his debut on FM 96.9, the game. I think one of the things that struck me as most interesting, Keith, was your dismissal of the the phrase, the hot hand in baseball, whether that be on the pitching mound or at the plate. Just talk about that and your dismissal of that phrase. Well, there's quite a bit of academic research, believe it or not. I mean, my, the, there's a famous Stanford study. Um, when I, one professor was from Stanford, one was from Cornell, I think, where they looked at this very question um, of the hot hand in sports. He was looking specifically at basketball in the original study, but people have looked at it in other sports, and it found it doesn't exist. What you did in your last, in baseball terms, your last 10 plate appearances, 20, 50, whatever period you put it on, does not meaningfully change what you're expected to do in the next plate appearance. So that hitter who's locked in now, he's 10 for his last 12, he's no more likely to get a hit in his next at bat than he would be if he were 0 for his last 12. I think it's especially true in baseball because of what I said earlier. Each at bat, each pitch is very discreet, very independent of everything that came before. I don't know enough about other sports to say if it's still true. There's a big debate over whether there is some kind of hot hand effect in basketball after all, but no one has ever conducted a meaningful study that found it in baseball. And I think if you're managing to this idea that so-and-so's hot, so-and-so's locked in right now, you're making a mistake. You're falling for recency bias you're remembering what just happened instead of looking at all the data at your disposal and making a rational decision but don't you think that that approach it it almost uh, dismisses too much the idea that confidence and the mental side of sport really matters well does confidence matter sure if you lack confidence you're probably not going to make it out of double-A. I mean, I scout all levels of baseball, and I certainly see at the high school or college level, I do see players who don't seem to handle pressure particularly well. There's even a phrase called draftitis where kids get close, get into their draft year. They look great until it's their draft year, and suddenly they don't play the books, they start pressing, and they don't perform. You don't see those guys in the big leagues. Baseball requires these kids to run such a gauntlet through the minors that I think once guys are in the the weakest, if you want, I hate saying it that way, but let's say the least mentally fit for the major leagues, they're gone. And again, people keep looking for this effect and not finding any evidence of it, which just says to me, as with clutch hitting too, it's just not there. You can't, we want to believe it's true, but if there's no evidence of it, then at the very least, don't ask me to pay for it. I would have to assume then that the phrase, the clutch gene, is not one that people who use sabermetrics <laughs> often reference. No. As somebody who also sort of is a fan of science, and I stand up, I talk about the, how vaccines are incredibly safe or how evolution is real, whether people want to believe it or not. I say these things all the time on, on social media and on my website. And, and you know, so to see genetics uh, misused in that fashion particularly drives me up the wall. And the reality is all the players who are said to be clutch, when you actually look at their performance, they're not. Derek Jeter, just the same and close and late as he was everywhere else. David Ortiz, in some situations a little worse, but probably just the same as he was in every other situation. Hitters hit. If you're a good hitter, you're going to hit all the time. You're not going to hit better in tougher situations. Um, and it's true for even mediocre hitters. They tend to be pretty much the same guys no matter the situation we're talking about. I will say, for pitchers, however, it can be different simply because the hitters you're asked to face as a pitcher can be very different in clutch situations and close and late situations than they are at other points in the game, and that really can screw up someone's numbers. 
All right, last one for you, Keith. I know you have to uh, keep this uh, book tour going, but I-, I wanted to ask you about, and this is sort of a loaded question, so you can condense it if you, if you need to, but the, uh, the statistical revolution, we're in it right now. The, the money ball, the Sabre analytics, all that stuff, mm-hmm. the Sabre metrics. Where do we go from here? What's the next step? I-, I mean, I can't imagine that you add more numbers because at some point it just becomes too confusing and convoluted. So where do we go from here? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the subject of the last two chapters of the book, really. The second to last is about the StatCast product I mentioned earlier. We have as much data, as granular, as you possibly get. I don't think you can get more detailed than that. So it's about what teams do with that data now. They have, they're hiring more analysts than ever. Teams are employing a dozen or more people primarily to work with this new stream of data and find new conclusions, new ways to implement it, and maybe, yes, their own new metrics, especially for measuring defense. But what was interesting, if you go through the last chapter, too, I have some quotes from executives who talk about maybe using this data for injury prevention or working hand-in-hand with player development coaches to use it to inform how they develop players. Player development's always had development plans for players, but now they can actually apply some data on that player himself or maybe on similar players who've been through the system to try to help them do a better job at that. So I think it's more about application. The revolution has happened. Every team is on board. It's now about what they choose to do with the actual data that they've got at their hands. Our special guest today, his book is called Smart Baseball. It's a must-read. He is Keith Law, ESPN senior baseball writer. Keith, you've been a great guest. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you really soon, young man. Yep, my pleasure. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.